0: episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne. Today, we're talking about Romans Bible study and filling you in on what we talked about this past week as we finished chapter three and looking ahead to chapter four, which we'll talk about this coming Sunday. Uh, Just as a reminder, we are still meeting this coming Sunday, even though it is New City Next, which is going to be a time of coffee and donuts at 930 and service at the same time, but with an extension on the back end of it. Um, Didn't see why there wasn't any reason we could get together for an hour on the front end and talk about Abraham and what Paul makes of Abraham's story, but we won't have as much time as usual. Um, thankfully, though, we a couple days ago, we released another podcast uh, where our theologian in residence, Dr. Michael Allen, talked with a friend of his, Dr. Jonathan Linebaugh, about um, how Paul interprets the Old Testament specifically Abraham and they talk about some Reformation readings of um, this particular part of Romans very fascinating discussion that you should definitely go listen to if you haven't already especially as we won't have as much time together with Romans 4 as we are in Romans 3 just to give you a few quick things and one of them actually kind of gets us into Romans 4. Uh, We talked a lot about what it means to be justified. We answered the question, is faith a work? Uh, The answer was no, it's not. Faith is a gift, something that's given to you. And on the basis of your faith, you're justified, not on the basis of your works or even on the basis of one work in particular. We spent a little bit of time talking about the nature of gifts. Uh, So in Romans 3.24, it says we're justified by his grace as a gift. And we got into a little bit of the cultural background on gift giving. Um, Some of the consensus of the room was that if you get a gift with strings attached, it doesn't feel as much like a gift. Um, But in the ancient world, giving gifts tended to have strings attached to them, whether there was an obligation on the other side. Um, Gratitude was certainly expected, but there, uh, there weren't particularly gifts with absolutely no strings attached to them. And as we look at some of the implications here, even in Romans three of this justification, we get by his grace as a gift. There are strings attached in the sense that we are given the gift of faith. And then um, having this gift of faith doesn't get rid of the law entirely. And in fact, Paul ends this section by saying we uphold the law. And so we're not keeping the law because that's how we're justified we are obedient and following Christ and seeking to be more like him because he has given us this gift of faith that changes us from the inside out. And so we are pursuing, uh, following him in a way that is not because we're obligated necessarily, um, but because it's something that we genuinely want because of the way he has changed us from within by his spirit. So it sort of, it reframes the way we think of the relationship between works, faith, the law, grace, gifts. Uh, we talked some as well about propitiation. Uh, that This featured as well in Ben's sermon that you should listen to. Uh, but propitiation, it's in verse 25. It says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Uh, we talked about how propitiation, the the Greek word that's under there, is actually something that generally refers to an object, not a person. And in this case, you may have a translation that says, uh, mercy seat, and that's because the word in Greek is also the word used for the mercy seat or the cover of the ark of the covenant where atonement was um, was found in the Old Testament and so it's just it's emphasizing that um, Jesus now is that mercy seat he he is averting god's wrath on our behalf or absorbing God's wrath even on our behalf. Um, And depending on how you think of that Trinitarianly, uh, that's a sense in which God is absorbing his own wrath against us so that it maintains his righteousness and it's manifested apart from the law, as it says there in verse 21. Um, We talked as well about glory, uh, one of these fun Bible words that we all know how to use correctly in a sentence, but are a little fuzzy on what exactly glory is or isn't. And so in Romans 3.23, one of the, these verses we all know about, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does it mean to fall short of his glory? So we, we skipped back a little bit into chapter 1, where it talks about glory and there is an exchange of the glory of God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. We see that in Romans one twenty-three, And then a little bit later on in Romans 2.6, it says, He's going to render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And so we talked about glory as being associated with praise, but we also tied it to the Old Testament concept of glory, which is a word that literally means heavy or weighty. And so it's something that is significant enough to draw other things to itself. If we want to pull on physics in some Some ways. So, in our solar system, for instance, the sun is the most glorious thing in our solar system because it draws everything else into its orbit by its own gravity. And so, we have a temptation where we want to seek glory for ourselves and want to draw other people to us so that they may give us honor and praise us and show us. Uh, different things. and instead we should be seeking God's glory and honor for God. And in doing so we actually are displaying the image that He has made us in better. And so there's this this deep irony that if we seek for honor, if we seek uh, for glory, honor, immortality for ourselves, we don't actually get it. But if we seek to maximize uh, honor for God and to bring him glory, then we actually are honored and we will see glory as well. And if we think a little bit farther ahead in Romans, the final stage, if you will, of salvation is glorification. But we'll talk about that more as we get later on into Romans chapter 8. So with all this in mind, there's this kind of pivot in the second half of the section from last week. Really, Romans 3, 27 through 31, sort of resumes a little bit of the discussion from earlier in chapter two and earlier in chapter three, but it also looks ahead to what we read in chapter four, where Paul's really going to focus on Abraham. And one of the, one of the things we, we talked about a little bit that was sort of a, a foreshadowing uh, in some ways, and I'm laughing a little bit because it's a foreshadowing of both Bible study and it's the reason Abraham's used, is Abraham is not technically a Jew, So he's not Jewish and he's not technically an Israelite, although he's the father of the Jews and he's the grandfather of Jacob, who is renamed Israel. Um, And so it's interesting that Paul would draw on him as an Old Testament example. And yet it actually is probably the only person he could draw on because Abraham is in some sense both a representative of the Jews and the Gentiles. He's from Ur of the Chaldees. So he's technically by the modern classifications, he's a Gentile, but yet he's the father of the Jewish people. So the Jewish people see a solidarity with him as well. And so he's the prime example of someone for Paul to use. But even more than that, his story illustrates the points that Paul is actually making where Abraham is hearing the voice of God, walking by faith, not by sight. Um, He's receiving uh, the sign of the covenant with circumcision, and he's doing all of these things prior to the law even being given or a thing under consideration. And so Abraham is an example of how God deals with people um, and how faith does count towards our justification. So let let me read chapter four. It's a little bit on the longer side, and we'll kind of talk about a few things and then be ready for Bible study this coming Sunday. So Romans chapter four, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, you might, in listening through that, you may have picked up on the key words we're going to talk about. One of them is promise and the other is counted. So we'll spend some time on Sunday going through Abraham's story, and then we'll focus in on those key words. And that may be about all we have time for. So hopefully if you listen to this, you'll be able to join us on Sunday morning to discuss Romans in person. And we'll look forward to seeing you there.